You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is January 10th, 2022. On today's show, we'll go through the latest news about Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association uh, now moving towards some times to talk and hopefully strike a collective bargaining agreement here pretty soon so we can figure out when we're going to get this 2022 Major League Baseball season underway and what their collective bargaining agreement will entail as well, what it means to the players and owners and all of us as fans. And also today, today is the college football playoff championship game. College football is a very good sport. They do a very good job of, of trying things out, of testing things, and they don't always work. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, and they're pretty good at adjusting those things when they don't work. So what if Major League Baseball tried some of those things as well? And what would those things look like in uh, MLB, in baseball? What would those things we'd like to see them try? I'll talk about that today as well, coming up on the show. All right, once again, hello, everybody. I am Josh Neighbors here of the Locked On Nationals podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Make sure you follow us on YouTube as well. Subscribe there. We're at 25 subscribers, something like that right now. Let's see if we can get that up here. Let's see if we can get to around 100 before the season starts. We're going to focus on putting out more video content there, working on that and how to do that right now. Make sure you give us a follow at LO underscore Nationals on Twitter. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Make sure you guys subscribe to on YouTube. All right, so there is some news as it pertains to Major League Baseball's current lockout. This comes from Evan Drellich over at The Athletic. Also, I know there's news about The Athletic being sold, but I am a subscriber. I enjoy it. I like to support the writers. I don't mind paying for journalism, for news that I deem worthy. And so if you guys feel that same way inclined, I encourage you all to, uh, to go out there and subscribe to places like The Athletic. But... Here's what he says. Major League Baseball is preparing new core economic proposals to deliver to the Players Association. When they are presented, likely this month, core economic talks in the sport will have restarted for the first time since owners initiated the lockout on December 2nd, marking a positive development. But the resumption of conversations won't necessarily mean that pitchers and catchers will report on time to Major League Camp in the middle of February. On the contrary, the start of spring training is in peril until there is real movement, and real movement might not come until more is at stake than simply an on-time start to spring training. MLB hasn't had any other lockouts in the last 30 years, but the NBA has had four in that stretch. The last two both cost regular season games. Quote, nothing happens until the very last minute, end quote, said a person involved in NBA labor negotiations. He says, quote, it's a very, he or she, I should say, says, quote, it's a very primitive mentality that people feel the other side is not going to give its best offer until they're looking down the barrel of what's ahead. The point of a lockout generally is to impose economic pressure, and it's not going to happen in the beginning because people aren't feeling it. They're not getting paid. The season hasn't started. So if the point of it is to impose the economic pressure, then yeah, in theory, it's not going to be really effective until you get to the end, end quote. Um, so I think it's a, very, it's a very good point being made here from whoever is 
that sources uh, from Evan Drouch, uh, Athletic, he's somebody inside kind of the NBA negotiations. I think that makes a lot of sense. He also says, meanwhile, it seems uh, purposeful that the MLBPA is asking for a slew of significant changes without identifying one particular alteration or a set of them. Players fear they feel they absolutely must have. The union hasn't drawn lines in the sand yet, aside from what has long been understood, that a salary cap is not tenable. Uh, it also says both Commissioner Rob Manfred and MLBPA Executive Director Tony Clark are ultimately operating on behalf of the people they represent. If Manfred, for example, has enough prominent owners on his labor policy committee or otherwise who are adamant that he not give, it's going to make the process slower. So this is a, you know, this is kind of a, a lot of good points coming in here. Um, just kind of a reminder of where everybody is coming at this labor negotiation from all of the different angles in this situation. And, um, you know, with those angles, we have to, you know, kind of, it just really helps us take stock, I guess is the right way to say this. Rob Manfred is representing the ownership and they are going to put certain pressures on him. And he has to represent them, even though he might feel a different way, but he has to represent their interests much like, you know, um, I, I forgot who told the story, but about the Obama administration and when they had to work with John Boehner. And oftentimes they said John Boehner, hey, would, would feel a certain way about certain topics. But as somebody who was kind of the face in many ways of the Republican Party, at least in Congress, he had to represent those interests. So he might feel a certain way about a policy. He might feel OK about a certain agreements between, uh, you know, one part of Congress, you know, the, the Republican side of Congress, Democrat side of Congress, and might kind of be in agreement uh, with some of Barack Obama's policies or Congress's policies and the left-wing part of Congress's policies, but he could not uh, agree to them. They could not strike deals because his job, once again, was to represent that part uh, of his party. And so that's kind of something that can happen here. While the people individually might feel certain ways, there is a group of people behind them that they must represent. Sometimes that can be a tricky part of negotiation. Um, I also think it's it's a great point that, look, a lot of these people, you know, these people feel like the best offers won't normally come until the very end. In my opinion, they should work on that. Uh, it's, it's the player's advantage to try to get things done earlier, in my opinion, because the players are the ones who are going to feel those financial effects later on in negotiations compared to the owners. Now, a lot, I mean, in, in majority of sports, yes, owners can take a little bit, uh, they, they can take financial hits, but in terms of just overall wealth, they are individuals or sometimes entities that are actually much better positioned to take financial hits than players. Now, you might say, hey, some individual players are in great shape. They're fine actually take these individual hits. Actually, you know, in, in terms of amount of money lost, they're not going to lose as much as some of these owners would. Yes, that is true. But there are so many players out there, and so many of them are not in those good financial situations. You know, there's not a ton of Bryce Harpers out there and Trey Turners and even you know, your John Lester's who have been there for a long time and Max Scherzer's who have made a lot of money. Those guys, you know, have to think about, and Max Scherzer especially as somebody who works very closely in the uh, Major League Baseball Players Association, they have to think about those guys down the line, the non-top line guys, you know, the, the guys who are fighting for roster spots and fighting for as much money as possible. Your Paulo Espinos of the world, if you will. Sure, they've got some money and sure they can you know miss a few games, but uh, on the whole, it begins to hurt them as time goes by. And you think about it too, 
there are so many players right now, big free agents that have not signed either. And so that part of business is going to be really tricky and awkward if we get towards a point where, hey, we're in jeopardy of losing regular season games and all of a sudden these big name guys have not gotten their contracts. They're not uh, knowing where they're going to play and financial issues aren't hammered out. So we don't know where these big marketable stars who are, uh, you know, you're, you know, Carlos Correa is the world. I should say is the big one we're obviously thinking about right now. We don't know where those guys are going to land. That's not positive for the sport either. We want to drum up excitement about these players. We want to get, uh, you know, feeling pumped for the next season. But I definitely agree with the concept, the idea that look, financial pressure increases as we head closer to the season. The reason why I made the ownership point, I probably should have said this a couple minutes ago, but I'll just say it now is that think about that 60 game season. Like the owner's, I mean, they they could have had a much longer season, in my opinion. I think they could have had probably an 80 or 90 game season, but they really sat in their hands and didn't feel too compelled to get things rolling and, and eventually made that 60 game season happen. Um, now, the problem is, once again, for them, do they want to take any more losses? Can they deal with anything like that? Especially at this point, you know, it's what you could consider to be a self-imposed loss of money because they could fix this. They could meet the demands. So I, I think those are two perspectives that we have to think about here is that yes, the players uh, probably are going to feel more heat later on, but also the owners just took a hit in 2020 in that season. Would they want to risk doing that again? Also, they took a small hit in 2021 too. We now have full capacity from the word go during the 2021 baseball season. And because of that, you know, some, some things were hurt. And also it wasn't, uh, I don't believe it was like the full scale concessions operations that we normally had. That was just my kind of uh, what I noticed when I went to Nationals games when it was uh, partial capacity, not full way. So there are really factors to consider that, yeah, the owners, because of their uh, financial state, because they are, you know, rich individuals could, yes, absorb some hits here, but also they just absorbed one in 2020. Do they want to even come close to absorbing another or is it too important for them to get these games played, to get their normal cash flow, to get back to the point where they were before, that they are willing to make demands? Just concepts here I want us all to consider as we get closer. The general idea of negotiations that, yes, under the gun, the best uh, offers, the kind of the most uh, lenient offers are made, but also the losses that have already been taken on both sides for players in that shortened season and for the owners in that shortened season that we just saw, avoiding those same issues that we just had very recently, two things we have to balance here. All right, let's talk about some things that Major League Baseball could potentially do to maybe try out, better the game. But first, quick word from our sponsors here. Today's show is brought to you all by Built Bar. Go to built.com today. That is built.com when you guys do and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off on your first purchase. It is the new year, and the uh, best part of a new year is that New Year's resolutions, and this can be a great part of your New Year's resolution. Uh, this can be something that is tasty, it's delicious, but you don't have to feel guilty about Built Bars when you eat them. They're good, and they're good for you. They're better for you than a candy bar is, but they still taste like candy bar. They're sweet. They're all covered in chocolate. They are delicious, and once again, you guys can go there today Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off now. They've got plenty of flavors as well that you guys can choose from. They've got peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming up with new 
limited time flavors. So check out built.com today. It's built.com, promo code LOCKED15. Tonight is the college football championship game between Alabama and Georgia rematch of their SEC championship uh, tilt, which Alabama won the first time. And some of you out there may be college football fans. Some of you uh, are not. I also cover college football. But one thing college football is always willing to do is they try out new stuff all the time. I mean, always they are trying out new things. Um, For example, so there is a signing day that was in the spring. They moved the early signing day to December. So now there's two signing days where kids may commit to universities. And it drummed up a lot of excitement, but it caused coaching changes to happen much earlier in the season. So I expect that to change. They went from no uh, playoff back in the day, or no, you know, there's no college football playoff before there is now, to a BCS championship, which was just two teams. Then they expanded it to four teams. Now they might go to 12 teams. They used to have uh, college football overtime where each team got the ball from their 25-yard lines, the opponent's 25-yard lines, I should say, and took turns trying to score. And after three overtimes, you had to go, two or three overtimes, I forgot what it was, uh, you had to go to two-point conversions. Now, after the second overtime, we just trade two-point conversions the entire time. And that rule might get changed because I don't think people are liking that. It just feels too random at certain points to have a college football championship game decided kind of, or any kind of college football game to, des- to be decided in that kind of manner. Uh, name, image, and likeness, you know, things got passed through for, for players to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. Now, this one's more of an NCAA dropping the ball, not making any legislation, but it's happening in real time, and I'm sure eventually that is going to get curbed also. The transfer portal, one free year uh, or an instant transfer right now happens in college football as well. People are upset about that, but I, I think that is going to be here to stay. So you're seeing what I'm, I, I'm meeting here with all of the, also things like the targeting rule too, uh, are, are things like that. You know, rules are changing all the time that they, they're really altering things at a pretty rapid pace. And I kind of like that about the sport. I kind of liked it. Now people don't always love its willingness, uh, you know, for college football is to, to be malleable and to change all the time. People kind of like things the same way. People usually do resent change, but to me, I think there's been so many, so much positive change uh, in college football, and I think that's something that baseball can adopt. So, what are some of the proposals that I would give for things that you know say, "Hey, let's try this out." Well, the first thing I would do is the runner on first in extra innings. So I know the runner on second was a uh, it was a big piece. It was, it was a big, you know, a thing that was that people were talking about. Well, what I would do is I would not award them second base. I would not award scoring position. But what I would do is I'd put a runner on first, and then I would make it one out. So a couple things could happen. A double in the gap could score a run just on one pitch, or one pitch could get you out of the inning if you roll into a double play. That brings up the strategy, right? Do you bunt a guy over? even though there's one out to try and get a guy in scoring position, even though to make it two outs, uh, you know, do, do you give that a try or do you try, you know, uh, if, if you're the, if you're the hitting team, do you try to swing away? How do you pitch it guys in this situation? Right. And we use the same rules for the runner on second. You have the last guy in the last out, he would go out there. Uh, you know, I, w- I would try 
that out. So I know it's kind of a big point of contention has been the runner on second thing. I didn't love that either, but I think a runner on first with one out is a nice compromise. It's an opportunity for teams to score in certain situations. Uh, you know, in many situations, it's chance to score chance to get the games over with, but it's not putting that fielding team at a huge disadvantage. I always felt to me that that runner on second really did benefit the visiting team because it allowed them to put so much pressure on the home team, just with you know the ease uh, sometimes of getting a guy in. Now, you know you felt pretty good if you're able to get that guy out, but you still have to deliver. So I think it, it put too much pressure, in my opinion, on the home team just in that situation. You know, one swing of the bat, uh, you know, and just a, a blooper could score a run in that situation. I don't necessarily like that. I don't think it should be. Uh, like that. I think you really should have to earn it. So a runner on first, the one out kind of gives both teams an advantage runner on second with nobody out gives nobody advantage and also kind of allows you, I know analytics people would go against the idea of momentum, but there is some momentum being gained in my opinion by the away team, as I've mentioned. So that's somewhere that I would start designated hitter in both leagues. Just go ahead, wrap it up, do it now and toss it in there. I, I, this is not one that we'd have to wait and see like the, the runner on first. Sure. We could wait and see and see how that plays out. And do we have to take away the out? Do we have to make it, you know, runner on second with two outs? Uh, that kind of makes it almost a two, two point conversion situation where the teams are going back and forth. So I don't necessarily like that. Uh, but you know, try these things out to see if an adjustment could be made and you try it out, not in spring training, but maybe you have a, a lower league when you triple a triple a leagues tries this out or also, you know, you could try out during the regular season and then postseason, you go back to normal baseball as we have been doing. Uh, all right, I've got one more idea I'm going to toss out there right now. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you all by our friends from betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Wish you guys a happy new year, betonline.ag would like to. So BetOnline is the number one spot for all of your sports wagering action online for the year 2022. New year, new us, new you, new nice interface uh, for desktop and for mobile devices when you go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So if you deposit hundred bucks, they give you an extra 50 to play with today from baseball, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager in all of your favorite sports bet online. It is where the game starts. All right. So, uh, proposals, once again, moving forward here, some proposals, for next season and beyond, to be honest, this stuff can definitely go on beyond uh, next season, but stuff that I'd like to see them try out sooner than later. Stick with those seven inning double headers. Uh, I was a fan of those just because watching a team like the Nationals, right? That they made those trades, they traded away a bunch of players, they had guys get hurt. Um, and so those seven inning double headers are just opportunities to carry an extra guy on the roster to help out the pitching staff and also not tax them as much. There are some teams that just aren't competitive, as competitive down the stretch, and nine-inning doubleheaders later on in the season can just be really rough on teams that are dealing with injuries or just lack depth or lack quality. I don't think nine-inning doubleheaders are going to give you more competitive outcomes. Well, you might get, you know, people could argue, hey, the right team is going to win more often. 
Well, I would say long-term, I actually don't think it's going to matter too much. Two seven-inning doubleheaders, I think you're still going to get the right results. From a competition standpoint, it does think does make things more competitive. Um, you know, does a team deserve having the game shortened by two innings? No, maybe not. But in the NBA, they advance the ball to midcourt after a uh, timeout later on in the game, you know, in, in under two minutes, I believe it is, to make it more exciting, to make it more fun. Much like the... Uh, rules I, I mentioned earlier with the putting the runner on first. I think this is something that when you shorten the game, make it shorter, it feels a bit more competitive because there's not as much time to go. Also, anything that shortens the game, you guys know me on this show, I'm a fan of. So I would try that. I would continue to do, roll with that. I think that's something that's been tried out. This is not even something I'm trying out here. This is just something I'm sticking with, I guess I should say. And, and so I know my ideas are not uh, too off the wall, too crazy, but just stuff that could be implemented, that could be tried out, that, that stuff that they already have tried out that I feel like has worked. Now, the purists don't like it, but purists never like anything new. I, I think this is stuff that we should at least continue, uh, consider at least continuing right now in baseball, implementing slash continuing slash whatever you want to call it. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at LO underscore nationals. You can follow me, Josh Neighbors, at Josh Neighbors underscore. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.